1: everyone. Welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasse, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, and everybody here at the Radio Maria Canada family. I'd like to thank you for taking time out to be with us today. You can keep up to date and informed about our shows by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC on those locations. And do feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcasts on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybsa.com. We have an interesting, good, great show today. We are talking with Dr. Meg Mill, and we are going to be talking about the functional medicine approach to dealing with headaches. And this is not a topic that is spoken about too much. And the fact that Dr. Meg has brought awareness to this, the fact that she has such a draw in her practice just underlies the idea that many of us do suffer from headaches, which crossover into the chronic headache category. And we need to deal with headaches in a way that is different from the way we have been approaching them to date. We sometimes brush headaches under the rug and just you know, pop a pill, deal with them, move on. But as you will hear, that is not necessarily the right way to go. And that headaches could be uh, a symptom of an underlying issue that needs to be worked on. And there are many, again, that you will hear about. Dr. Meg Mill is a functional medicine health practitioner and clinical pharmacist. In her virtual practice, she works with patients to discover and heal the root cause of their health struggles through advanced diagnostic testing and personalized support. Before practicing functional medicine, Meg spent almost two decades practicing as a clinical pharmacist. She graduated with a PharmD from Duchesne University and continued her education with a residency at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy. Meg then practiced in various clinical settings before pursuing functional medicine certifications through the Institute for Functional Medicine and School of Applied Function Medicine. Meg has been featured in several national publications such as Fox News Channel, Health, Authority Magazine, Thrive Global, Drug Topics, and Circle Magazine, as well as several national blogs and podcast guest appearances. With her conventional and functional medicine expertise, she helps her patients improve their health naturally while still understanding and respecting conventional practice uh, protocols. She is particularly passionate about helping people suffering from chronic headaches or migraines find relief and increase productivity and energy to enjoy their life again with her proven EAT method. This is something that, again, we don't... Maybe take uh, as uh, as a signal as under uh, as an underlying um, issue, and I think that it's time that we do. Uh, I often come across people who I've got a headache, I've got another headache. And the easy way is to, you know, pop an aspirin, an Advil, and get on with the day. But maybe the buck stops here, and by listening to what Dr. Meg has to say, you might become more aware of areas that you can look at within yourself to help deal with the symptoms of headaches. A few of the things we talk about are uh, how do headaches differ from migraines what underlying causes of headaches should be considered? And at what point should we consider headaches to be chronic? Very interesting show, a topic, as I mentioned, that is not dealt with a lot. So I hope you do stay tuned with us. We'll be back, we will be back in a few minutes to talk with Dr. Meg Mill.
2: Up to another light, no more sorrow. And-
0: You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi.
1: Thanks, everybody, for staying with us. As mentioned, today's show is being taped. Please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at The Health Hub RMC on those locations. Meg, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me now memory serves me and all my research on you you are
3: a pharmacist is that correct yes well i um, i am a pharmacist but i'm also a functional medicine practitioner so i'm actually not practicing in pharmacy anymore i'm practicing in functional medicine i have a virtual practice where i see people um, to get to the root cause of health issues
1: so how did you make this transition between pharmacy and functional now are you a so we refer
3: to you as a functional doctor. Yeah, I, I, I refer to myself as a functional medicine practitioner. Okay. Um, so functional medicine I, is a certification. So you generally people that are certified in functional medicine have another degree. Um, whether it's you know. It, like uh, in, in medicine. So it's a, usually a, a medical professional that then gets certified in functional medicine. And so we look at the root cause, we, we really flip it around. And instead of um, looking at it as a, as a diagnosis that we're adding medication onto, when we get the diagnosis, Um, we're actually kind of flipping it and looking at the root cause. So we're saying, okay, you know, um, we're we're, going to talk about headaches today. So I'll use that as an example. So you have headaches and and that's your symptom and what's going on underneath the surface that's causing the imbalances in your body that are creating the symptom. And how can we fix those imbalances to, to help you relieve, whether that's, whether that is headaches, whether that's diabetes, whether that's depression, you know, for all different um issues so I got into this field for um, in two, uh, two in a two-pronged way. I was having my own health um, journey and I had was suffering from IBS and I was jumping around from various gastroenterologists getting, I was getting scopes done and they were saying, like, oh, you're fine, you have IBS, but at the same time, I was having trouble, like anything I ate. I I just never knew what was gonna make me sick. I was just in constant having constant stomach pain and I knew there had to be more. And so through my own research and digging. Is how I found um, functional medicine, and so I was able to get into functional medicine and and treat myself and heal my gut and um, and find out what was actually going on, and it made me realize, wow, there's so many other people in this boat. In the same time, I would see that with my patients and who would be put on more and more medications. And I would see them really like they were surviving rather than thriving. It's almost like they were getting sometimes like more sick, not feeling as well, but they were just maintaining with these overloads of, of medication. And I, in the same regard, but there's so many things they can do to really dig into this and not have to use as much medication. So that's when I wanted to share it with more people when I went back and, and opened my own functional medicine practice.
1: Now, is the use of medication, at you know, in in your in your practice, counterintuitive to what you're trying to do, or is there a a soft landing
3: where both can meet? I think there's a soft landing where both can meet. I'm not opposed. I mean, with the the history of having a doctorate in, in pharmacy, I. I do see the value of medication and in in certain places it can be life-saving it's just not always the answer um, so you know there there's a place for both it's it's sometimes there is a Times where the medication is necessary or is, is valuable, but it's not always the answer. And so we can look at other avenues where that doesn't have to, to be the case. And you don't have to have the side effects or other consequences of taking the medication if there's other answers we can look into and, and find balance.
1: Which seems like a rational way to approach things, right? Try and get to the cause of things and then meld the two if need be. Exactly. So, why are you particularly uh, passionate in the area of of headaches? And does this also cross into migraines, or are they two very different things?
3: Yeah, yeah, I would say headaches and migraines, because that's really the the symptom of the headache or the migraine pain is what we're what we're looking at. So, uh, in my practice, I'd noticed that. Um, so many, particularly women were coming to me and whether it was, they whether they were coming to me with chronic headaches or, or suffering from migraines or whether they were just, whenever someone comes into my practice, we do a very detailed intake questionnaire. So we, we go through their whole health history. We go through all of their symptoms. And I just started noticing this trend of um, whether that was their chief complaint or whether that was just something that was uncovered when they were coming in. Oh, well, I get headaches every, you know, once a week or I, I sub, have suffered from headaches since I've been a teenager or whatever. And it became I felt like it was normalized. Like people weren't even in some cases realizing that they didn't have to. And, and I just kept seeing this over and over with people. And then when we'd work together, they would say, Oh my gosh, my headaches are gone. I haven't had a headache, you know? And it was amazing to them. They were just seeing this huge quality of life change by not having to deal with these regular headaches or migraines that they keep even knock them down. For days that they were on prescriptions for. So um, what I thought, wow, this just needs to be more people need to know that this isn't something that they just have to live with. I think when people are suffering from that for so long, and it's a chronic thing, it almost just becomes a way of life. And they're sometimes told that by providers that that's just something they have to deal with. And I've seen over and over, that's definitely not the case.
1: Now, you've said a couple of things. I want to make sure I don't forget them. But first of all, let's let's differentiate between headaches and migraines, or is just one is one a more uh, uh, a severe form of the other?
3: No, there are different. So migraines um, de- te- definitely have a pattern. So they you'll you um, will get sort of the um, the the pattern headache that goes through different phases. You also can get the nausea and vomiting. You get sensitivity to light um, and they tend to la- last longer. They last like four to up to 48 hours. Um, migraines can be helped by Sometimes when you really lie still in a dark room, um, so they because of that light sensitivity component and people can also get auras with migraines. So there is definitely a pattern to migraines where, um, you know, then there are other types of headaches, which we, we can say are tension headache. Um, which is sometimes like felt like a, a band across the front of the the head or the back of the head. Um, then there's also, you know, you can get headaches from like sinus headaches. You can get headaches from being um, low blood sugar, like hypoglycemic headaches. So there's, there's different types of headache, but we, but they're all really um, it's really more about, I don't really Although they're, they are defined and there are patterns when we're treating, I don't differentiate necessarily like, oh, this is this again, because we're not looking at like the label of it. We're looking at the triggers and how we can balance your body. And so we're working through some of those which can overlap.
1: It's interesting because I know uh, several people that have migraines with no relief. You know, they, they suffer through them. Um, and and that's right, that they, they do come almost cyclically. And is your method of treating them very, is it an extremely novel method? Um, or again, if just by going back, looking at history, looking at triggers, you've had a lot of success in the migraine space.
3: Yes. So we um, exactly, we go back, we look at the person as a whole. So what we're doing is we're saying, okay, where, what is, where, where is your imbalances? This is a symptom. What are we, what are the areas? So we would look at, you know, we're going to look at your whole life and we're going to take things that I think people don't account for sometimes in their life. Um, Like the food that you're eating, how much, you know, how much you're drinking, how much you're sleeping, your stress level, your hormone balance, your gut health, like all of those factors um, play a role in causing the headaches and in really looking at that. So we're kind of doing a multiple pronged approach. Well, that's very hopeful
1: for a lot of people who have, you've been suffering migraines for a long, long time. And again, as, as I said to you, they just seem to be managing, living life. They get hit with the migraines and then they manage again. So it's great to know that you are having success in dealing with the migraine space. Now, the other thing that you mentioned is now I'm not sure if this is a pattern that you're seeing more women because more women or have headaches and migraines, or is your practice more geared towards women? Is there a differentiation um, as far as who gets more headaches and
3: migraines? I think that I do definitely see more women suffering, particularly from headaches and migraines than men. And why do you think that is? There's a lot of different factors, but one of the um, things that we do look into are, are hormones. So, um, and this can be particularly um, for people that are getting those cyclical migraines too, that, you know, if you get a migraine every month, the week before your period or something like that, that can be um, a signal that you have a hormone imbalance. And so um, the last week before our cycle, the, our progesterone and estrogen, our progesterone has peaked and it begins to um, fall off aggressively and estrogen is also dropping, but not quite as aggressively as progesterone. So many, um, people can become estrogen dominant in that period of time. And so when, it, when you are estrogen dominant, it can cause an increase in inflammatory mediators called prostaglandins and headaches can be a surge, a symptom of a surge of prostaglandins. So um, we want to work to, even if your estrogen levels aren't extremely high, if they're higher in relation to progesterone, that's one of the things that can um, promote that headache to occur.
1: And you also talked about gut health and food intake. And again, is gut health something that you're seeing more in women than men as,
3: um, as, a, as a trigger for headaches? I would say um, I do. I can't answer that specifically Is if it's more, I do see headaches more often in women. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that men and women, I would say both have gut health imbalances, but they seem to trigger, yes, I do see, see that they maybe trigger that headache symptom more in women than they tend to in men. Although I have I do see men that get headaches regularly too. So I'm not excluding men in this. I just see it it just happens to be, from my experience, I see more of the case with women in those in those chronic headaches.
1: Do people come to see you for headaches or when you're doing your intake, this is a symptom and as you said, they it may not be something that they're even cognizant of that they can deal with. It's just, you know, I've got this issue, that issue, I seem to get headaches every once in a while. And do you say, well, back up, let's take a look at that?
3: Exactly. I see people for both. So I do have people that come to me specifically for headaches. I have those patients, but I also have um, exactly what you're saying. We do this very uh, detailed intake questionnaire. And when we're going through that, I'll have that. Well, I've had headaches you know, every week for my life. But what's very interesting about this, and you had just asked about gut health, is one of the things I think when we're talking about normalizing headaches is we've also normalized the Um, use of Advil, um, which is ibuprofen, aproxen. um, Those are the uh, drug class of NSAIDs and then Tylenol. And because those drugs are over the counter and you can just use them for, for pain at any time, I think people don't consider the fact that they're taking those medications on a regular basis and those can have further consequences for them. So I have also had people come into my practice that are coming to me because they have gut health issues now that stemmed from using Advil for years from head- for headaches. Mm-hmm. So when you look at that, you know that cycle, we can get in this cycle of, okay, I'm having to use the Advil to cover my. My headache pain. And now I have, you know, stomach issues. My stomach's upset. It's, um, you know, I'm having all these other symptoms. And that can be also traced back to that overuse of medication. So I think just because sometimes when it's over the counter and we can just get it easily, it's like, oh, well, I just can take that. And people are take overusing that in some ways and then getting other consequences.
1: Now, looking at the conventional treatment then of headaches, is this the only remedy that is being offered?
3: generally I see that from the, I can't a hundred percent speak to every practitioner, but I am generally the medication for pain treatment is the way. So I'd like to use for this an example of, um, a mechanic. So I had someone tell me one time, a story, if you, if you took your car to a mechanic and they, um, and you said, it's making a noise and the mechanic walked over and grabbed a pair of earmuffs and handed you the earmuffs and your keys back and said, you know, go drive your car, you're, you're fine. You wouldn't trust them. You wouldn't feel comfortable, um, you know, driving away in that car. And so when we, you know, conventionally, that's how we're generally treating headaches. We're using that pain medication to, uh, cover like, you know, to cover up the symptom rather than really digging in and seeing, okay, that we do know there's things that are triggering these in our, in our life and what let's dig into that and, and fix it at the root it's It's an
1: interesting, It's an interesting
3: space because
1: I, I honestly, I've not heard of anybody who has a specialty in treating headaches. And the more I thought about you and more I thought about the show, I thought, Why not? You know, it just seems like so such a natural piece of our health that we, as you said, we normalize when, you know, when you're working, we'll we'll talk about women here for, for the moment. But when you're working with women and they find they're finding relief from these headaches, it must be like opening a curtain for them and letting the sunshine in.
3: It is. Absolutely. I think that they don't even realize that they don't. That's what I think is. That's why I want to reach more people, because I think that sometimes they don't even realize that they could live without these. You know, it's like mm-hmm. they've been, it's been occurring, you know, for so long that it's like, oh my gosh, I, I have, you know, I'm I'm free. I can do so much more. I have so much energy. This doesn't have to be a part of my life. And I think that, you know, when you're getting those chronic headaches or, or even those, even if they're not chronic, when you're getting those bad headaches that are even the migraines are really debilitating. And I think people feel like they can't even plan because they don't know if that's you know you live in that fear of if I plan this event or if I have to go to something special and I'm wiped out with a headache and I can't function through it, it it's you're you always have that underlying fear that one can occur and you you're not necessarily sure how how you're gonna get through it.
1: You know, we talk a lot about the the symptomology of pain and aches when it comes to a headache, but that the issue of, you know, really being an energy stopper, that's not something that we often equate with it, is it? Mm -mm. Yes, and it absolutely can be. And would you say that, um, you know, there's a lot of talk now, a lot of people are understanding about chronic inflammation and it's disease, it's linked to disease. Would your understanding of chronic headaches also be tied to, can we tie that to an underlying chronic inflammation? Like if these aren't dealt with, can there down the road be collateral issues that have to be dealt with? Or would you consider this sort of a
3: segment to be dealt with unto itself? No, I definitely think, you know, we really look at the body as a whole. So I definitely think there can be a tie to chronic inflammation. And we can see that chronic inflammation often with um, you know, in underlying infections in the gut. And sometimes when we were talking about the gut health, when we can clear those. We can also stop the trigger of the headache. So you can think of the headache almost as your symptom of like, "Hey, there's something going on here. You know, there's something off in my body, and that's the way you're expressing the the symptom, and it almost can be an alerting system, too, even. Well, when you're working with with your patients
1: and you're you're trying to suss out all these areas, you know we've got exercise, we've got stress, we've got you know muscle tension in the neck. Um, are you looking at those first, or are those sort of down the road?
3: So I have a, a method that I use, and it's called the Eat method. It's E A T. And so um, the way we look at it first, is the first section of that is enlighten. So I we work on enlightening you know, I work with them on enlightening, all the triggers that can happen. And we, so we look at, um, you know, different things and then we, that can trigger headaches and and work on cleaning up those aspects. And then, um, the next part is aligned. So then we work on, like you're saying that we work on hormone balance, we work on stress, we work on, um, you know, sleeps and independent trigger of migraines, particularly the duration of REM sleep. um, so we look at those kind of things. And then the last part is thrive. And in that, we really make sure that they're getting the right nutrients, that they have all the, the right balances of everything in their body to thrive and move forward when we're not working together so that they can stay headache free without, you know, without me. <laughs> <laughs> without
1: you. I, well, I mean, there's so many pieces to the puzzle, right? And I guess, um, as with all functional practitioners, you're trying to put the pieces together to form the right picture, correct? Correct. Excellent. Uh, Everyone, we're going to take a quick break here and we'll be back to talk with Dr. Meg shortly. Thank you. Welcome back. We are talking with Dr. Meg Mill. We're going to continue our conversation on headaches. It's just such an interesting topic um, because it's not something I think we touched upon this earlier. People don't really take their headaches seriously sometimes unless they're the full-blown knock you off your socks type. But there's so many links to what, you know, we talked about earlier, you diving in and trying to find out, you know, root cause and triggers and so forth. But, you know, the way the world is now, um, we have a lot of stress too on our shoulders. And where, whereas people may not have experienced headaches before, they may now be coming into play for a lot of people. so how would you rate stress on the hierarchy of of headache triggers?
3: So I actually like to call this with my patients the chain of pain because, um, stress pain is actually an independent stressor on the body. So, um, you know, people are in this higher level of stress. And then when you're getting the pain from the headache, you're actually getting, you know, a physiological stress on your body, which can increase your cortisol, which is your stress hormone. And once you have high cortisol, then you can get the release of another hormone called prolactin. And what prolactin can increase pain sensitivity, which makes, can make the severity of the headaches worse. So often I see people just kind of stuck in this chain of pain where it's like one's triggering the next and it's triggering the next. So um, we really do work on really bringing those cortisol levels down, really getting back into that parasympathetic. We have the the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic is that fight or flight that you're in, you know, when you're you're in that stress mode, and we want to bring you back into that parasympathetic, that rest and digest place as much as we can. So. Um, you know, we work on really things that resonate. I think it's individual sometimes of what resonates. I like meditation. I like, you know, walking in nature. Sometimes people enjoy gratitude and gratitude journaling. Yoga is another way you can get movement and, and that can bring in some breathing or just even setting your timer and really doing some breathing You keep, you know, your breath can actually bring you back into that parasympathetic nervous system. So just practicing that that deep breathing, but really finding something and and taking a real look at your life and where your stressors are, and finding ways to just bring yourself back into that calm place is really important.
1: Well, honestly, when you're in pain, uh, that. Links is going to link somehow, it's going to loop in stress, right? We just can't get away from stress, whether it's an environmental stress, whether it's a stress within our own body, kicking up things. Is it something that you're always dealing with in every protocol and every patient you're working with?
3: Well, I think most of us have a lot of stress in our Mm -hmm. life. So (laughs) I think, I guess there, I have seeing a few patients that are very calm and relaxed and, and aren't, you know, that, that really work on that. So some people are already really working on that and managing their stress and having, having good techniques to do it. So it's really individual, but I think really in the world we live in most, I mean, I can, I have to go back to my, even myself, you know, I have to say like, you know, practice what you preach because. I get stressed and I have a lot going on and I have to to really help bring myself back to do those deep, breath, you know, breathing and take time to I know what I even know what to do and why I should do it and, and how to do it. And I still have to remind myself. So I think really just, you know, with everything going on, really focusing that and don't don't let yourself. You fall out of the patterns, get, you know, try to do some sort of routine that can help you manage your stress levels. And I'm saying It doesn't have to be overwhelming. It doesn't have to add more stress, even simple things like just practicing, you know, set a timer and practice a few minutes of deep breath. So when you're in the stressful situation, you can come back to your breath and know how to to use that to help yourself calm down.
1: Mm-hmm. And what role does sleep have in mitigating
3: headaches? So as I mentioned earlier, we do know that there is sleep can be an independent risk factor for headaches. And I think that this is again, with stress is an area people often just um, will disregard the importance of sometimes. Um, we do want to aim to try to get seven to eight hours of sleep. and and so and I and really I don't even know I had a patient one time that came in that was like, "Oh, I'm sleeping fine. And then when we like dug into it, she would stay up like almost one night a week, most of the night to just get things done, but she only did it once a week or or once every two weeks. So she was thinking the other night she was sleeping, but she was depriving herself. And that's a stressor on the body too. So once we even shine the light on that and she looked at her sleep habits, she's like, oh my gosh, I have so much more energy just from making some of those Changes so really just um, making sure that your room is cool, dark, and quiet when you sleep, um, so that your cortisol can drop. We want melatonin to rise at night and cortisol to drop, um, and that really um, even putting room darkening curtains on, maybe a sleep mask, a a fan is nice. Even noise, Um, you want to make sure you're not you're turning all. Full spectrum lights off um, an hour or two before bed so that your brain isn't being stimulated. Try to like avoid having your phone in your room. And and then you want to avoid stimulating your brain from planning. And before bed, you want to try to have like a calming routine to get your body calmed down. And and avoiding caffeine after two p.m. Everyone metabolizes caffeine differently, so um, and that would include things like dark cho- like chocolate. I did have someone that was saying what we were trying to figure out why she couldn't fall asleep, and she's like, "Well, I don't drink coffee except in the mo- you know morning, and I don't you know have any decaffeinated like I don't drink tea." And here she was having a piece of dark chocolate after dinner, and it was keeping her up, and she didn't even know it because she wasn't associating that with the caffeine. So just being mindful um, and then um, about that and also calming your digestion and limiting foods um, two to three hours before bedtime too, because when we're, our body's digesting food that can also affect our quality of sleep.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny how you're ticking off like basically the pillars of health and it seems like they, they're, they you know, the, the pillars of health in every symptomology, every disease we seem to have, and it's paying attention to these that are, you know, the root of what health is about. Now, what about environment? How does that impact, or does it impact, um, you know, the level of headache or whether or not people may be uh, susceptible to them?
3: Mm -hmm. And we have, um, we do know that particularly lead and cadmium can um, be triggers for headaches. So, Those are, um, you know, looking at your heavy metals and that can actually be it's interesting with lead exposure because um, sometimes women, particularly as we age, we can store lead in our bones. So as you age and your your bone health changes, um, we can actually start having some symptoms of lead toxicity in a later stage, even if we were exposed to that and it had been stored at a young age. So, um, you know, just doing some digging there and then environmental triggers to just um, really making sure that your environment's clean. I do encourage people that suffer from headaches regularly to consider getting an air purifier for their bedroom. It is it is once you get that in your room, it's not even though if you have a... um, a filter on your furnace. Sometimes when you you actually get these air purifiers and you see the filter and what's actually in our air. So sometimes that just getting um, like cleaner air cleaning, you know, another thing you can try to do is get a water filter so we can clean some of our water, but just that environment can be a trigger for headaches. And depending on, you know, your unique triggers, those are some things you can do to just start to, to clean up your environment.
1: Now, may, can we go back to the comment you made about bone health, and as we age, how that can um, be a trigger for headaches? I think it's—I think I know where you're going with it, but if you could explain that more, I think it'd be very interesting for everybody.
3: Sure. So, as our as our hormones change when we go through um, perimenopause and menopause. Your, um that we can get the we can get breakdown of of your bones um, based on those hormone based on those hormonal changes. so when we have that occurring, um, if you've had lead stored in your bones as the composition of the bone can change then you can actually release some of that those tox- those like lead molecules um, and get symptoms of a lead toxicity. That you had been exposed to a long time ago.
1: How would we know that? Would you do some yeah, sort of testing, testing for that? Yeah, yeah.
3: I was, I was <laughs> that's say. a little bit deeper. Yes, we <laughs> we have to do you know testing. So you know if you if you are I guess if you if you're someone who's really. There's great things you can do right away, and we can get get into that because I have some tips I can give you right now. If you're someone who's like I'm ready to say goodbye to my headaches and my migraines I've been dealing with for so long, you know it is good to find a functional practitioner who can help you do some of these things because you know then we can do you know we can do testing on a lot. We can do hormone testing. We can do heavy metal testing. We can do gut health, we can do food sensitivity. There's so many tests we can do to really pinpoint and give you like exact guidelines. It, it's, it's helpful to be mm-hmm. able to do that.
1: Well, the picture is very clear now, about why more women seem to have headaches than men because hormones can impact us basically all of our lives. Right. Yes. So, okay. Yeah, exactly. I get that. That's crystal clear now. Yes. <laughs> now, what about, um, I'm very interested being nutritionist. Um, do you see common nutrient deficiencies that are prevalent in people that have chronic headaches and migraines?
3: Yes. Yeah, so one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that we see is magnesium. So um, we magnesium is a relaxing mineral for your body. And and when you have a deficiency in magnesium, you can often, um, you know, for sure that triggers headaches for a lot of people. So, you know, really be good to, 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 focus on foods that are high in magnesium. Um, you could pumpkin seeds, almonds, spinach, cashews, uh, all contain magnesium. Um, but really trying to get that in your diet, or even if you feel like that's hard, even supplementing with considering supplementing with magnesium to boost that.
1: Uh, you know, a lot of people eat dark chocolate for magnesium. And so maybe, you know, We need to be cognizant of other things that are in food as well, but I know a lot of people will have dark chocolate like you had that one patient uh, Mm -hmm. before bed because of the magnesium content and they find it to be a bit calming. So it is such an individualized approach to what you're doing and how certain things can trigger certain people. Now you mentioned um, some tips. So if someone wanted to uh, leave this podcast and go to work on their headaches, are there things that they can do right now before they get a hold of a functional doctor?
3: Sure. So I think one of the, um, I always tell people to start um, the two free and most easy things to do are make sure you're hydrating and getting good sleep. And so, um, we want to make sure that we're getting enough water. Um, we know that dehydration is another trigger for headaches. So a simple rule you can follow is to drink half your body weight in water every day. And in another aspect of that is to try to sip your water through the day instead of chugging it all at once. Sometimes we have a tendency to like oh I'm thirsty and you know chug a glass of water and then move on and then but um you know if if you drink it too fast you can eliminate a lot of what you're drinking so you want to make sure you're getting that good cellular hydration and drink um slowly throughout the day. So try to keep like a water bottle or like you know a glass of water by your desk or something so you can really stay hydrated um, we you know just trying to really get that seven to eight hours of, of quality sleep is um, as much as you can is important and then the other thing that I have people do to start right away is you can print a blank calendar and then and um write down what you ate if you get a headache write down what you ate that day and the day before and so sometimes when you're starting to look at those, calendars, or even I would say what you ate, or if there's anything that changed in your environment. Like if you're, you know, if you went to a different location or, you know, you didn't sleep that night or something that changed in your environment, but but particularly foods and write down if you do that day and the day before, and then you can start looking for common patterns because sometimes um, it can be a combination. So there's certain foods that can trigger headaches. But then there's also combinations of foods that can trigger headaches. So if you, for example, if you had like a glass, I would say a glass of wine, some people that can be the sulfites and the wine could give you a headache, but some people can say, well, I had wine um, one night and I was fine and I had, you know, I had a glass another night and I came down with a migraine, but it could have been the wine in combination potentially with an aged cheese or something else that you ate that could have stimulated it. So once you start printing that calendar out and sort of writing down what you ate on those days, you can start to see Hmm, is there anything that's a common thread that could be you know, something that's triggering my headaches? I mean, and it, it's different for there are certain foods that are more common, but it is different for everyone. It can be based on food sensitivities and, and different things that can be triggering um, headaches for people. So you can start to become a little bit of your own detective and try to put some of those patterns together.
1: Absolutely right. That's what we really want people to do is to become their own detective. Even if it's just to get to the point where you know what I think I need to get some help with this, and I think that it's 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 a brilliant way that things are starting to change, and I think it's the right way. And I think what you're doing is is perfect for that. Now, when I have a question for you, when does um, headache, sporadic headache, turn into chronic? What would you say that 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 line is?
3: I would say if you feel like you're getting, you know, a like what, if you're getting more than one headache a month or every, you know, if you're getting more than a few times a year, then I would say that you pretty much have a chronic headache. If you're noticing that you're re- reaching for some sort of pain medication, like an Advil or a Tylenol or something, and it's more than just a few times a year, then it's something like, okay, you're getting a headaches enough that you need to look into to why. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I, I wanted
1: to pull out before we end here, I think it's very good advice about the slow sipping. Uh, you know, Most of us, a lot of us know that, you know, we should be having our water intake, but the slow sipping tip is a very good one. So thank you for that. Appreciate that.
3: Absolutely.
1: Now, if people wanted to find out, uh, do you do, first off, I should ask, are you doing um, appointments
3: by Zoom or are you in person or a bit of both? Yes, I do appointments. I have a virtual practice. So I do, and I do see people locally too, but I see people all over the country through Zoom. And my website is www.megmill.com. Um, so, so that's where you would book to, I'd actually offer a free, um, consultation to see if it's a right fit for you and if you know how I can help you. Um, but I also, am also starting a new program specifically for headaches and migraines because I've seen so much success. So that, um, program can be found at, um, www.happinessbeyondheadaches.com. So it's headaches. Um, and, uh, and that will be specifically a group program that's focused on my eat method and, and how I've helped people with this issue, uh, over and over and over again. <laughs> it's a 10 week program, a 10 week program. Yes. And is this a live program or it is, is it? Yes. Oh, it's excellent. live. So I'll be with you every step of the way, <laughs> but very good way that I can actually, you know, reach more people. And sometimes the community aspect is good too, because everyone's in the same boat, Um, and and you can learn, you know, from each other too. So I'm really excited.
1: You're right. You know, a lot of people who have some type of an issue, an illness or symptomology, it's amazing when they find a group and sometimes we feel alone in in some of our struggles. And, you know, we're never alone. There is always someone that can relate. So I think that that's a great aspect of your, um, the 10-week program live is wonderful. So I I hope people that will... uh, at the very least, check it out. I wanted to thank you so much for joining us. We will have um, Dr. Meg's all of her information when the podcast comes up, but thank you very much for being with a very, very interesting chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. Everybody. We'll talk to you next week on the health hub.